0: of the Holy Ghost there were 7,000 notable miracles God is still on the throne today that is what I know that's what I know and we have to have a vision of that I we made some declarations last week and reminded us of some things that we believe that God is releasing in vision and I believe that miracles are going to happen at CCC in 2020 I believe that we're going to see it with our eyes and we've got to to have that ability to see beyond what's happening now to what God is about to do and believe by faith what God is going to do because scripture tells us where there is no vision, the people perish. Something happens when our gaze is always downward. Something happens to us. We, we weren't meant to live life looking down. We can't get very far or very fast if all we do is look down. But something happens when we begin to look up. Something happens when we begin to see God on the throne today. We've got to have a vision of what God wants to do you got to let your faith be released. you got to all of a sudden trust that God is going to do everything that he promised that he would do. This is more than a book of empty promises. This is the word of God. There's truth between these pages. There's truth of God's declaration that wants to be released in our lives. And if he said these signs shall follow them that believe, then if we aren't seeing it right now, we've got to elevate our gaze and say by faith, God is going to do exactly what he promised he would do. With no vision, we're going to perish, but if we'll just let vision be released in our lives, if we'll let vision be released in our midst, then God has a future for us. I'm grateful for it today. We've been talking about that over the last few weeks, not just that God would give us physical 2020 vision, not that we'd make modification with eyeglasses, not that we'd adjust vision with contact lenses, laser surgery, however you want to do it. That's all things that we do in the natural so we can see better, but our prayer this year is that God would allow us to see greater things in the supernatural. We can get by with uh, bifocals if we need to. But we can't get by supernaturally if we have no vision. The scripture is clear. It says the people perish. We're talking about the difference between life and death here. We're talking about the difference between eternity with God or, ter- or eternity without him. We're talking about the power of vision. That's how powerful vision is. The word says without that vision, people perish perish. We need vision to be released. We need God to allow us to see with the mind's eye what he wants to do. We need it. Someone say, I need that. I need that. Uh, We need to see what God is about to do. We need to see it. Even if it hasn't happened yet, you've got to see it. For that to happen, we've declared and we've dedicated our visions. We've written it down. We've looked inward. Search us, oh God. We looked onward that God has a future for us. It isn't over here and now. Whatever failure may be in your life, it's not completely over. God still has a plan for you. God says look onward. But this morning, I want to remind you in the midst of everything that we're doing, looking inward and looking onward, we've got to look upward. We've got to look upward. I I did a little research because I'd heard this. I'd heard that. And, uh, and maybe I know this personally, I, I know that <clears throat> I've heard that people walk in circles, running around in circles. You ever said that? We all have that tendency to walk in circles. And I did a little research on the scientific websites, and, and they made that declaration. They said when lost in a desert or a thick forest terrain devoid of landmarks, people tend to walk in circles. Blindfolded people show the same tendency. Lacking external reference points, they curve around in loops as as tight as 66 feet. This building is about 100 by 100. And and what, what the scientist was saying is that some people, when you put a blindfold on them and you say, you walk in as straight a line as you can, that in this room, they would do a complete circle, not touch a single wall. And they would be thinking they're walking in an absolute straight line. 66 feet, that's how tight the circumference was, 20 meters in diameter, that all the while those people were believing, they were trusting, they were acting on every instinct available to them in that blindfold, that they were walking straight. Why can't we walk in a straight line? In the natural, I mean. Why why can't we? Only recently have scientists begun to make gains in answering this age-old question by conducting a series of experiments with those blindfolded test subjects. A group of researchers at the Max Planck Institute for Biological Cybergenics in Germany have systematically ruled out several plausible explanations for loopy walking. You have an excuse. Now you have an excuse. They said, for example, body asymmetries have been posed as one theory, but the team found no correlation between factors such as uneven leg lengths and right or left side dominance in walkers veering directions. There was, there was no correspondence. Your, your, uh, your, what was I going to say? Your anatomy has no, has no bearing on that ability. Your Your physical strength, the random physical errors such as incorrect gauging of how you need to move your legs to walk in a straight line. No matter what your gait looked like, no matter how you walked, if you walked a little, a little, you know, slouched or if you walked a little bit uh, sideways. However, that would be that it it didn't matter. You'd still walk in a circle. You you'd be telling in your mind your legs to walk straight, but you'd end up veering off path. You you may walk in a zigzag fashion, but you're still able and have the tendency to trace out circles wherever you go. The researchers believe that loopy paths follow from a walker's changing sense of straight ahead. With every step, a small deviation is likely added to a person's cognitive sense of what's straight, and these deviations accumulate to send that individual veering around in ever-tightening circles as time goes on. This increasing curvature doesn't happen, however. When an external reference point is visible. That is what we're talking about this morning. Because we live in a world and they can declare, well, this is all right. And we're still going in the right direction. But I'm telling you that if they lose reference with the king that's on the throne, then then we are just walking in circles. We're endlessly going around and around. Thinking we're walking in a straight line. Thinking that we're doing all right. When every man does what's good in his own eyes, all we end up is with evil over and over again. That is why we need an upward look today. There's something powerful about the ability to find that reference point in your future and say, God, if you're on the throne of my life, then bring leadership and bring direction. God, bring order to the chaos that's happening around me. If you can see the king that's on the throne, then I'm telling you that God will allow you to walk directly into the path that he has prepared for you. You've got to have an upward glance in a world that's a calling for your attention to look down and around. God, God help us this morning to look in the right way. The natural mirrors the supernatural. God didn't intend for Israel to walk in, in circles. He did have direction for them. He said, "I'm going to put a pillar of cloud by day and I'll have a pillar of fire by night." Why? Because he didn't want them walking in circles. He wanted them directed according to the path that he had laid out for them. No difference for us this morning. No difference for us. We've got a world that's walking in circles. And more than that, they're walking in the wrong direction. Looking around is great for sightseeing, but it's bad for spiritual direction. I think we all need to look inward, and looking in is great when we need to work on ourselves. But you can get so consumed with yourself that you forget about a God that's at work in your life. It's important to educate ourselves and everybody enjoys being entertained by things that come our way but that falls far short of you making sure that your spiritual man is moving in the right direction that is why you need an upward glance that's why you need an external reference point you can't find it in yourself I'm, I'm all for self-help I'm all I'm all for you know getting getting a, a, a clear understanding of who you are and how you how you mentally operate your personality your ability your traits uh, things that impact you how how you move through your your life that's all important but what's greater of greater importance is that you get god on the throne of your life that external reference point it was no surprise that the place that god chose to place his name in the old testament was jerusalem the temple was placed in the highest point of that city on mount zion if you moved toward the presence of god you were moving up but if you moved away from the presence of god you We're moving down. It's just that simple. And you can only know what direction you're going in if you can see the king of kings. You can only know what direction you're going in. You only know if you're doing the right thing if you can clearly have a vision of God on the throne of your life. That's why the psalmist had the Psalms of Ascension when they made their pilgrimages to the temple. There was 15 chapters that were dedicated. Not only were they dedicated and written in the word, but they were dedicated, written, and sung as they began their pilgrimage toward the temple. It started out something like this. The psalmist said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth We've got to elevate our gaze. Our help isn't going to come from what's happening around us. Our help is going to come. From the Lord. And by the time we get to Psalm 135, 15 chapters later, not only did they see Jerusalem, not only did they see Mount Zion in the future, not only did they see the temple, but they had an understanding and a revelation. It wasn't just vision at that point, it was revelation that was released into their lives. And Psalm 135, they said, For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. By the time they got there, 15 chapters later, as they made that ascension into God, God's presence and as they left the things of the world behind at that lower level as they walked into that plan and in that purpose that God had ordained for them they had an understanding and a revelation of who God was and what God was he was a holy God he was a greater God he was on the throne and, and I'm telling you as we begin to understand this and as we begin to leave the things of the world that are strangely dim and get a better vision of God the things come on we're gonna set, have an understanding Of God that we never had before. He's going to be greater in our lives. He's going to be more than enough. He's going to be the God that we need. The Lord is great. He's great. And that our God is above all gods. When you see him clearly. There isn't anybody else like him. There isn't anybody beside him. There isn't any God that comes close to him. He's just above all. He's that God that's above us today. We've got to elevate our gaze in this world. We need that. If the enemy can get us focused on what's going on around us, if he can keep us from looking up, if he can keep us from, from, from understanding that God is right there waiting to beckon us, to invite us into his presence. If he can get us distracted, then his job's half done. We end up focusing on everything that's not right. And we will never see what is going right. He keeps us looking Uh, From looking up, uh, the, the psalmist addressed it. As a matter of fact, he reiterated the same phrase three times in Psalm 42 and 43. He said, why art thou cast down? O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. Verse forty, chapter forty-two, verse eleven. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Psalm. Chapter 43 and verse 5. Why art thou, you get in the picture, cast down, O oh my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Depression is a real thing in our day. It needs to be addressed. It needs to be spoken to. We need to... Try and understand, and, and we're, we're, we're looking to God for help because the, the rate of individuals that struggle with depression, it's not just oppression, it's depression. It's that mental challenge that disables individuals. I, I want to remind you that that's not God's will for your life. I'm saying it's real. I'm saying it's, it, it, it acts upon us, it impacts us, but I'm also reminding you that that's not where God intends for you to stay. There is a way, the psalmist, you know, if you read through the psalms, I I think David struggled with depression. I think he did. I, I think he... The different times that he's, he's just real and he lets his pen write the way that he feels. But, but I like that that David doesn't leave it in that location. He doesn't leave himself in that cast down place. He, he doesn't see himself as one that's always bent over with care. Bent over and, and discouragement. Bent over not knowing where to turn. Sometimes David just addresses the issue of himself to himself. And in these verses, that's exactly what he did. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. Sometimes you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, Hope thou in God. Too often we're looking in the mirror and we're seeing an individual that's broken or an individual that's impacted by circumstances, an, in, an individual that's that's affected by the past. Can I, can I remind you that you have the right and you've got the responsibility to look yourself in the eye when you look in the mirror and say, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. And, and I don't want to leave the last part of those verses out because he went on. He said... I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. He said he was in that cast down place. He was in that place of discouragement. He was in that place of depression. But he didn't let it stop him from worshiping. He said, come on, I'm going to get my praise on just like I always have. For I shall yet praise him. I need someone just to tell yourself this morning, I shall yet praise him. I know how I feel on the inside. But I'm going to flip the book open and I'm going to find some place that elevates God into rightful place and I'm going to declare to myself I shall yet praise him I'm going to praise him in spite of the sickness I'm going to praise him in the middle of the mess I'm going to praise him I'm going to praise him he said he is the health of my countenance and my God would you just shout out for a moment God's in control He's in control this morning. You're not in control of the health of your countenance. God is. The self-help book isn't in control of the health of your countenance. God is. The circumstance that you're facing right now isn't in control of the health of your countenance. God is. The people who wronged you aren't in control of the health of your countenance. Of our countenance today I wish you'd just take a praise break for a moment right here right now come on I I will yet praise him I'm going to praise him in spite of. I'm going to praise him in the middle of. I'm going to praise him this morning. I'm going to praise him in the middle of the storm. I'm going to praise him when the snow's falling. I'm going to praise him when I don't know what's happening. I'm going to praise him when the Supreme Court in Pakistan just keeps moving that judgment forward. I'm going to praise him because God, he's still on the throne. i just got to elevate my gaze. I've just got to take an upward look instead of a downward look. Why art thou cast down? Elevate your gaze this morning. You, you got to understand what you're looking for. Yeah, some people say, "Well, I don't know." Can I? Can I just remind you how high God is? Can I remind you how great He doesn't? He doesn't hold back in letting us know about where He is, how He rules, where He works. He doesn't. He doesn't hold back in reminding us that the throne He's sitting on it today. Isaiah 57, verse 15: For thus saith the High. And lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him, also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. He said in that moment when you're contrite, in that moment when you're cast down, in that moment of your discouragement, he said don't get looking down. He said don't get looking around. He said take a moment and elevate your gaze. Get a look upward. Pastor Matt, how do I make this go up? You may need to help me. I don't want to break it. It's his daughter's. I, I want Rosie to be my friend. Pastor Jack broke my telescope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. That's, well, just put it like that. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you. The high... And lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. He stopped there. Psalm 97, verse 9. For thou Lord art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. You know what? That's the kind of gaze we've got to get. We get looking here, we get looking here. God's saying, uh-uh, take, take a take him in and get get looking upward. See the the telescope, it isn't now a scope, it will help you see clearly what's happening right here. Right, John? He's the hunter here. Scope's got the crosshairs in it. It brings what's happening here in the terra firma a little closer. It's got, it's got a lens on one end and another lens on the other. It's, it's that's the problem we have sometimes. We, we get our binoculars out so we can magnify the problems in our life. Let me tell you about the telescope. The telescope has the lens piece here. It sticks up sideways because the intention isn't for it to ever be horizontal. The intention is for it to be vertical. So you can get an upward look. You can you can elevate your gaze away. You're, you're too busy walking in circles right now. Why don't you take a look upward? Get a reference point that's greater than what's here on terra firma. Get a reference point that's clearer than the tree that's right in front of you. Get a reference point that's above all, through all, and in it. Get a reference point up above. Get a reference point of a God that's on high today. And I promise you'll get better direction. I promise you'll start walking in a straight line. That kind of reference point. The Lord is exalted for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. He's exalted. That's what happens. That's the power of praise. Praise, you know, praise takes us from here to there. Praise all of a sudden. Praise. Worship elevates our outlook. We can get talking about everything that's happening, but when we begin to worship God, all of a sudden we're putting him above it all. We need an upward look today. We need an upward look. We need an upward look that happens, that, that, that overcomes a, a look of everything that's going on around us. We can get back to the music this morning. First Chronicles 29 and verse 11. It's about my favorite scripture since Bible college. Students, if you go find the old archives, the Bible school yearbook, you look in that yearbook beside my name. There's a scripture, First Chronicles 29 and verse 11. It simply says this: Thine, O Lord, is the greatness, and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven, and in the earth, is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. Hear it. And thou art exalted as head above all. So when things are happening in our life and it feels like we're not on the side of victory, what happens when we allow ourselves to see him in that throne? We remind ourselves, victory is mine. Victory is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Joy is mine. Peace is mine. Like a river, it's mine. Come on, I'm talking about that, God. When we see him clearly, when we get him on the throne, victory comes in our life Philippians 2 verse 9 wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above I don't know what names are coming your way what envelopes you got in the mail I, I don't know who's writing you emails Who's I don't know but here's what I know there's one name that's above it all if you take an upward look What you're going to see is Jesus. That name is above all. It was Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament, the northern kingdom. that continued to be called the kingdom of Israel. Or Israel, the southern kingdom, was there to the south called the kingdom of Judah. 2 Chronicles 15 and verse 9 tells us that Members of the tribes of Ephraim, Manasseh, Simeon all fled to Judah during the reign of Asa, the king of Judah. The reason was, was because in the northern kingdom Ahab and Jezebel were on the throne. Just a few short years, and Ahab had turned the heart of the people and the intention of Israel. He brought in Baal worship and he allowed his wife to rule the roost, direct the kingdom. He was impacted by her absolute intention to go the wrong way so individuals were fleeing to the southern kingdom and Asa was on the throne but he's followed by his son by the name of Jehoshaphat Jehoshaphat rules he says as a matter of fact if you'll read through scripture you'll find that he his intention he declares his intention to be different than the kingdom of Israel which was above him he he disagreed with Ahab and everything that was happening in in that kingdom Jehoshaphat made great strides forward and he put the king of kings and the lord of lords on the throne but it would seem that when the kingdom becomes great and his numbers become powerful that Jehoshaphat makes some poor decisions and he builds an alliance with Ahab he gets strong in his own might and he forgets to look upward and he begins to look around he looks around at the ar- army of a little more than a million that are accompanying him into battle. He looks around at the abilities that he's got in his kingdom, and he all of a sudden says, well, I, wouldn't, I don't think it would hurt to make an alliance with Ahab, and he comes into agreement with him, and they agree together that they're going to attack one of the cities of refuge, and, and he just kind of moves in the wrong direction. What, that's, that's, what ha- that's what we're talking about. When we get our eyes off of the throne, we end up spinning in circles. And of course, in those moments, God can't have those, both of those kingdoms lost. He's got a future, and he's got a plan for them. And so he allows the enemy to come. Scripture tells us that. It said that there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, it says that they were in Engedi and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. He had a re- adjustment of his outlook he said he proclaimed to through all of Judah and Judah gathered together and to ask help of the Lord even out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord Jehoshaphat it says verse 5 they stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and he said "O Lord God of our fathers art thou not God in heaven he could have been focused on the advancing armies. He could have been focused on everybody's cry about defeat. But he re-adjusted and took another look and put God back on the throne of his life. He said, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou not in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou not our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? He's reminding God. You see, that's what happens when you put him on the throne. You become a part of his kingdom. And he reminds them over and over again of everything that, that God had promised. He said that if they dwell therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, if when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, If we stand before thee in this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Uh, It's not indicated there in the scripture, but it's clear that that's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. No matter where he was in Israel, when he made his way to that temple of God, he went up. He elevated his gaze. He put God back on the throne. When he made his way into the presence of God, he had already ascended. He went in the right direction. He, He got a picture of where God was. And he didn't let his eyes get distracted or deterred. He walked in that way. In verse 10, he said, And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast givest us, given us to inherit. O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. Can you, can you just read this last five words with me? But our eyes are upon thee. Our eyes are upon thee. We could look around, but it's far better if our eyes are on you. God, we're crying out to you and we're reminding you of the promise that you've given us. God, we're letting our voice be clear. We're sounding it out in the company of all these people. This is the promise you gave us. This is what you told us. So now we're not looking around. We're not looking down. We're not claiming defeat, but our eyes are on thee. I I just came to remind somebody this morning. I wish you'd elevate your gaze for a moment today and put your eyes on him. I I wish you'd just kind of leave whatever distraction is calling for your attention right now and put your eyes upon Him. We don't know what to do. When you don't know what to do would you let Jehoshaphat lead the way this morning and just declare with me but our eyes are on thee this morning. God we're not looking down and we're not looking around. We're going to elevate our gaze. You're on the throne of our life. Here's what you promised and here's what we know you're going to do. Our eyes are on you this morning. Arise around you this morning standing together with me we can raise the screen thank you gentlemen i can read through the scripture i've got many more verses i won't take the time understanding what's happening outside but i do know that here in the room this morning somebody needs that simple word from god i'll remind you that the scripture says that when those enemies came to defeat jehoshaphat and we, we, we talk about it often. It says that he, got, he didn't get his army together. He, he stopped relying on those great numbers that he had accumulated. He, he stopped relying on the arm of man that he had. He got his choir out in front of those people and he sent them off and he said this is what we're going to do we're gonna we're gonna lead this battle by worship we're gonna lead this battle by praise we're gonna send singers and we're gonna get to work he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever and when they had begun to sing listen and when they had begun to sing and to praise The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir that were come out against Judah, and they were smitten. That's what happens when you elevate your gaze, when you get your eyes on him. It doesn't matter what's attacking you. It doesn't matter what's confronting you. I just want someone to be reminded today, but our eyes are on you, O God. Our eyes, you can't look in both places at the same time. You can't look up and down and all around at the same time. You've just got to pick one. So if we've got to pick one, I want to make the declaration today. God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on thee. We don't know where to go, but our eyes are on thee. God, we're concerned. We're challenged. We're struggling right now. But here's what we know to do. Get our praise on. Get our singers in order. We're going to worship like we never worshiped before. And our eyes are on thee you this morning oh God I think it'd be all right and perfectly in order if you just begin to clap your hands and if you just lifted your head back take a look at the ceiling but I wish you'd see beyond that someone see a God in heaven a God on his throne someone see his train filling the temple if for no other reason than the the reason that in 2020 we are in the end times we've got to elevate our gaze Jesus told it, it's written in red in Luke 21 verse 28 he said when these things begin to come to pass what do you got to do? he didn't say take a look around He didn't say, get your head stuck so far in CNN that you don't know what's happening around you. He didn't say, get Fox News and streaming 24-7 in your earlobes. He didn't say that. He didn't tell you, get the, what is our newspaper? (laughs) I almost said the Evening Times Globe, that's St. John. The Daily Gleaner. Don't get the daily gleaner. I'll tell you what he said. He said, look up and lift your heads for your redemption. draweth nigh. When you see these things begin to happen, look up. Because your redemption is drawing now. He said, hey, look up. When it, when it looks the worst, look up. When it looks like end times, look up. When it looks like everything's falling apart, look up. When it looks like people are falling off the wayside, look up. When it looks like everything's going the wrong way, look up. I'll tell you, you. You'll stay directed in the right direction. You'll go in a straight line. Look up. When your red come on, your redemption is drawing nigh today. I wonder if you just why don't we take a moment we're gonna we're gonna pray and i just like it to be a personal prayer i mean, often we get one another to pray for one another but i, I wonder if you just kind of lift your head for a minute because that's what we're preaching about i wish you would close your eyes because you can't see it with your natural eye but i wish you'd have a vision of god on the throne this morning i wish just a simple word from god would would be released to bring revelation in your life I wish you'd see him fixing something that you didn't even know he's working on right now. I wish you'd see him acting in a situation you didn't even realize was was occurring right now. I, I wish you'd just kind of see God at work. See his hand moving. See his voice speaking. Come come on see him in splendor. See him in glory. See him as the king of kings. See him as the lord of lords. Look up. Come on look up. Your redemption draws nigh. It's nearer than, than it appeared. It's nearer than what we believe. It's nearer. It's end time church. To more than ever. We've got to look up. Put your gaze upward today. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you for the hearts of individuals it's more than people that are just in the room today many God's storm stayed where they are I pray Jesus that you would minister to them right now I pray for the people that have, have made it to the house of God today I'm asking God would you meet the need just like Jehoshaphat did in the Old Testament Lord we're standing here this morning we know not what to do but our eyes are on thee the one thing that we know to do is what we're going to do we're gonna look up because I draws nigh we're gonna look up because healing is drawing nigh we're gonna look up because help is drawing nigh we're gonna look up god we're gonna look up this morning we're gonna look up this morning and god as we leave this place god i pray that your hand would work in situations that you'd move, or I, I, I'm just getting ready to dismiss. But there's just that quick little pause the Holy Ghost just gave me. Somebody, you need to lay something out before God right now. You're gonna tell Him this morning, God, I'm not hanging on to this anymore. I'm laying it out for You. Come on, somebody, you gotta just like the Old Testament, they laid the letters out before God. Someone, you just gotta lay it out before God and say, Here it is, God. I'm giving it to You this morning. He's greater. He's more than enough. Would you pause and pray just as there's someone that needs to do that today? Would you just pause and pray? That may not be you this morning, it may be. (laughs) Someone just pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Come on, in the natural, I'm looking around. I, I, in the natural realm, I'm seeing the storm and I'm concerned. I'm, I, I'm concerned as a pastor about people traveling, but it's just a pause in the Holy Ghost. He's still on the throne. Someone needs to see him right there. Someone needs to let him work. God will work if you'll let him. God will act if you'll let him, if you'll just release him, if you'll let his word come on, let his word act in your heart, let his word act in your life. God, God still is still on.